0: What's up? It's Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast presented by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, take time to chill. Go! Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood.
1: Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago.
0: ESPN
2: 1000, Chicago's home for sports.
0: I hope that you had a great weekend. I hope that you have a great Monday night as I keep you company until 10 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000, the brand new ESPN Chicago app. What's up? Welcome in to UTH. I talk to you about the Bears here to start off. We got a lot to talk about between now and 10 o'clock. So I want to ask you something because you and I have a relationship. I've been doing this show for 15 years. It'll be 15 years in August of 2020, so it'll be 15 years of you and I being able to have a conversation and relationship here on ESPN 1000. So I need to ask you a question, and I want you to be honest with me, because I normally on this show, you are very honest with me on whatever I'm talking about. Um, if you're agreeing with me or disagreeing with me, at least you're honest, and I appreciate that. I'd rather for you to be honest than for you to just be a troll and just try to make yourself entertained. No, I want you to be honest with me. I need you to tell me what are you rooting for? What are you rooting for? Are you rooting for Mitch Trubisky to do well or to fail in Chicago? Be honest. What are you looking forward to? Are you rooting for Trubisky to do well or to fail in Chicago? Because in three years, the light has not come on for him and the offense to help this team move forward. I want Trubisky and the Bears to do their job offensively and compete for the NFC title. That's what I want. I prefer for it to be Trubisky, but if it's not Trubisky, it's Foles. I'm not going to sweat one way or the other as long as the offense does their job because historically we've seen the defense do their job. So I want the offense to do their job. If you want Mitch to fail, then where does that leave the Bears offense say in two years? So here's the list. You ready? Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbert, Christian Ponder, Brandon Whedon, uh, E.J. Manuel, Johnny Manziel, Teddy Bridgewater, Paxton Lynch, and now Mitch Trubisky. So what does Trubisky and Lynch and Bridgewater and Manziel and Manuel and Whedon and Ponder and Gabbert and Locker all have in common? As has long been expected, Trubisky is going to be the ninth quarterback taken in the first round to not have his fifth-year option exercised. Twenty quarterbacks in total have been eligible for a fifth-year option. Eight busts and one guy who had a really bad knee injury. As J.J. Stankovic wrote on NBC Sports Chicago, history does not offer much encouragement for Trubisky. You know, you're trying to get your fifth-year option declined as a quarterback. This is what happens. It's the death knell for a career normally. Some of those quarterbacks I mentioned, Teddy Bridgewater still in the mix and still viable. Those other guys and Trubisky, well, one of all those guys are not really around much uh, at all. Uh, and Trubisky, well, he's still with the Bears. So what does this all mean for Trubisky? The Bears can try to work out a contract extension with Trubisky after the season if one isn't agreed to by early March. They can slap a franchise tag on him and continue negotiating until a few weeks before training camp. Either way, if Trubisky has a good season in 2020, he's still going to be with the Bears in 2021. That's why declining to exercise Trubisky's fifth-year option does make sense. And yes, Trubisky's fifth-year option would be guaranteed for injury only that's a big question mark around this weekend when we found out that Trubisky's option was not going to be exercised. The fifth year option would be guaranteed for injury only. So the bears could pick it up and rescind it as they did with Leonard Floyd. As we talk about the bears with Jonathan hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. But what if they pick it, pick it up? If he struggles, if he gets hurt, well, then you're looking at a $24 million cap hit in 2021 with no wiggle room to get rid of him. But, You know, like I know, that we don't have time to waste as Bears fans. We don't have time to waste. Time to waste on a quarterback or a team that flounders more times than not. The Bears have to get this position solidified. Trubisky can help them get there if the offense works. Just rewind the tape just a few years ago. You remember this like I remembered it, that once John Fox was let go as head coach and Matt Nagy came in, well, now you saw an offensive coach. Just someone that's different than what we saw from John Fox. John Fox, a defensive coach, and John Fox was fine for his time. But when we came here, I said at the time when John Fox was hired, I said, this will be John Fox's last time as a head coach. He's never going to coach again. This is kind of a, a retirement situation for Fox. I said the same thing with Lou Pinello when he was with the Cubs. I said, this feels like just, a, just kind of a, a rocking chair goodbye, uh, last few checks that he can make as a Cubs manager, and I thought the same thing for John Fox. I said, this is the end. Fox is not going to be a, a head coach again. And once again, you, when you needed some offensive prowess, when you need some an offensive game plan to really help either a veteran quarterback in Cutler or a young quarterback in Trubisky, you just want to go and get it from that era. But Matt Nagy comes in from Kansas City, and so that is progressive. That's moving in the right direction. It's one thing for Nagy to have been in the Kansas City system. It's another another for the offense to start moving. One thing for sure, Nagy comes from Kansas City and was with Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback um, in the class that Trubisky and Deshaun Watson were in. Uh, It's one thing to come from that city and come from that system. It's another thing to be able to execute that because Trubisky is no Patrick Mahomes as you and I both know. But as much as I get on Ryan Pace for the missteps, that he has provided as GM, you know, like Kevin White, to say that Kevin White underperformed would be, an un- would be an understatement. He didn't play in 2015 because of a shin fracture, made it to four games in 2016, one in 2017, and nine in 2018. He caught 25 passes with no scores in 14 career games. That's a splash that Ryan Pace was able to provide, a wide receiver with no scores in 14 career games in all those years with the Bears. With a top 10 asset, mostly watching from the sidelines, the Bears went for six, three, and five wins before Nagy's arrival in 2018. You know, the Bears went with White instead of uh, Todd Gurley or Devontae Parker. Now, Todd Gurley is not the Todd Gurley that we saw at Georgia in college and not even the same guy we saw with the Rams when the Rams were good. But the point is is that if you had your druthers, you would take Todd Gurley who's still in the league versus Kevin White, eh, you know. And then the jury is still out on Mitch Trubisky. I don't hear the Trubisky truthers as much, maybe because we're not necessarily in football season. But I don't hear the, the resounding 50% of the city on Trubisky's side blaming receivers, blaming coaches as much as we did in season. But once again, the facts are facts. And even in 2020, for for me, facts are still cool. Maybe not to you, but to, to me, the facts are that he was the number two pick in 2017. And you take a look at how the Bears had to trade up for him in the draft, the same draft that had Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. It's just going to be on his tombstone. It's just, it's just what Trubisky is. He's part of that mix, and he's the third best out of those three. The exploits of those two superstars don't need much explanation. Trubisky, on the other hand, has completed 63% of his passes over 41 games, throwing just 48 scores and 29 picks, while averaging 6.7 yards per attempt with a 3.8 touchdown percentage. It's not too many numbers for you to swallow. 3.8 uh, touchdown percentage is pretty awful. And the amount of picks and the scores, uh, it's not been great. You know it's not been great. It could be a lot better. Now, remember the Bears trying to figure out this quarterback position, even though you heard the general manager, Ryan Pace say on December 31st of last year, it says that Mitch is going to be our guide. All of a sudden through the side door, ladies and gentlemen, here's Nick Foles. Nick Foles, the, the failed $88 million experiment for Jacksonville. Now I'm not going to take shots at Nick Foles until we see him in the blue and orange out there being the quarterback for the Bears at some point. But the point is, is that, outside of um, him being a backup and coming in and putting on the Superman cape for the Eagles uh, more than a few times to really help out a banged up Carson Wentz and then him going down in Jacksonville, Nick Foles has a right to have his own book. He has his own right to be able to talk about his story. But is if Nick Foles is some long-term savior, don't look for that because that's not who he is. So just, again, for perspective, when we talk about Ryan Pace, He's been in charge of five NFL drafts and four first-round picks, Kevin White, Leonard Floyd, Mitchell Trubisky, and Roquan Smith. Mitchell Trubisky this year will tell a greater story than it could be ever told about what Trubisky's future is going to be. We know what his now is, but his future sounds like a backup in Cincinnati someplace at some point in his career. That's what it sounds like. Roquan Smith is a guy I believe in. Watched him in college, all the snaps he had in college at Georgia, as a Georgia fan. And I just think that he can be a cornerstone for the defense for a decade. I believe he's that good. But when it comes to Leonard Floyd and when it comes to Kevin White, you know. I mean, you know. Leonard Floyd just did not work out for the Bears. I didn't think he would, and he didn't. And then there's Kevin White. And then Pace tried to find a quarterback, the most crucial position on the field, and he whiffed. And that band-aid I talked about is Nick Foles. In this case, you knew that Pace wasn't going to give Mitch the extension because Mitch hasn't earned the extension. He didn't. He didn't earn this. He didn't. He did not earn the fifth year option. The reason why he didn't is because you know the numbers like I do, and you know that it's not good enough. I know that uh, Ryan Pace always tried to avoid the questions when he was asked about, you know, is Mitch going to get the. Um, the fifth-year option, will you exercise it? He always avoided because, I mean, he had until Monday to come up with the answer, but you and I already knew the answer. Like, no, of course not. Of course not, because Trubisky hasn't earned it. The offense has not earned it. Some thoughts now from, um, from a number of people have, have weighed in, uh, including Lewis Riddick from ESPN. So Lewis Riddick on earlier today, why declining Mitch's fifth-year option is the right thing to do?
2: Mitch needs all the incentive that they could possibly dangle in front of him. And that's not being, you know, that's that's not being callous. That's not being cold about it. That's just being real about it. And it's, it's not as though Mitch is someone who's not motivated intrinsically anyway. He is. But, okay, so let's just move to a different way of explaining this. They, they have no reason to go ahead and guarantee anything to him right now. He has everything that he needs to prove to them. They don't need to prove anything to Mitch. I've been on that side of it as a player, too, okay? When you haven't produced at a high enough level relative to what the expectations are for you, then you should expect for people to not guarantee you anything. And right now, if I'm Bears management, I'm not guaranteeing Mitch anything besides an opportunity to compete with a guy who has won a Super Bowl and played at the highest level. And either you're going to rise up and you're going to keep your job or you're going to shrink and you're going to be watching him and then looking for a job somewhere else in a year. Simple as that.
0: So that's there from Lewis Riddick. So Eric, let's open the phone lines wide open. Three, one, two, three, three, two ESPN, three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six judgment free zone here. I'm not here. You know, I'm not um, this hot ticker. That's going to just point in your chest and tell you that you're wrong. We will have a discussion as we always do on this program. And I will tell you, I will ask you this question. Do you want Mitch to succeed or not? And just be honest because they did not exercise the fifth year option. How do you feel about the situation now with the Bears? Because the option was not exercised, and so now it's on Mitch to really go balls to the wall here in 2020, or not, or not. So how do you feel? 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776, our phone number. Do you want Mitch to succeed or not with the Bears next season? I'll take your phone calls on that and more as we move forward here with... Bear.
3: You're listening to Under the Hood.
0: Get the ESPN Chicago app
1: for podcasts and the live stream from anywhere, 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 anywhere. Download in the app store today. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.
2: Mitch is our starter, and, and, and we believe in Mitch, and we believe in the progress that he's going to continue to make. I think um, you know he's he's accurate, he's athletic, um, he can process um, his work ethic. Uh, how he is as a teammate, those are all things that come to mind.
0: Mitch is our starter. Mitch is our starter. But then you brought in Nick Foles. It's going to be interesting to watch, won't it? Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app as we talked to you about the uh, Chicago Bears. And it, we knew it was going to happen. We just didn't know it was going to happen on uh, like Saturday, I believe, when this uh, came across because I was talking about this Saturday night on ESPN 1000 uh, when the story broke. And uh, I knew that it was going to happen. The Bears had until Monday to decide. And so there's a level of, of embarrassment in some ways with Ryan Pace that he can't pay his guy, his quarterback, that fifth year option. He can't take care of him because he knows that Trubisky is underwhelmed as a quarterback. So I want you to tell me at three one two three three two ESPN. Do you want Mitch to succeed or not? Be honest, because if you feel like he that you want, don't want him to succeed, you know Nick Foles will be here this year, possibly next year, but that's still not the long-term answer. And once again, it'll be that long that generational lament of who's going to be the quarterback for the long haul. Aaron Rodgers is still there, Green Bay. And you've seen what's happened with Matt Stafford in Detroit, and there's a lot of examples across the league in which quarterbacks have been with one team and been with one franchise for a long time. And the Bears are still trying to figure out their leader offensively. After Jay Cutler, now what happens? Trubisky more than likely won't be with this ball club after this upcoming season. And then what? Do you tank to try to get better to get get some young quarterback? It just it's amazing. It's just it's just what we're dealing with right now. And it's just what I've dealt with all my life as a Bears fan. So just be honest with me. You want Mitch to succeed? Three one two three three two. 332 espn is our phone number. Let's go to Mike, who he's on the Kennedy with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Talk Bears. Hello, Mike.
1: Hey, what's up, Jonathan? Uh, hope uh, you and your family's doing great uh, during these kind of times.
0: Same to you, my friend.
1: All right, thanks, thanks. Uh, regarding the question with Mitch, I mean, it's nothing personal with Mitch. You, uh, I'm not really looking for him to fail, but if I have to, I guess by default, he has to fail just because we've seen his show already. And we've kind of seen Foles' show from afar, but he's definitely got a better history. And if history is anything to tell you how Mitch performs in practice from everything you hear, it's not going to be great. He's not going to beat out Foles. So to pay him, you know, $20-plus plus million just to see that again, I think Foles has a better chance for, like you said, a year or two, which is kind of the window for this defense. So... I think I'm rooting for him to fail just so we could try the pole thing and see where we're at in one or two years when defense and uh, polls can do.
0: You know, I'll tell you why, Mike, I'm rooting for him to do well is because I just hate to see another defense squandered. Right. I mean, Khalil Mack is on that side. Akeem Hicks is on that side, you know, uh, guys in the secondary uh, are on that side. And so it's like, so, so what are they going to do? They're doing their job. They're doing the job for them and the offense at times. I, I just feel bad for that side of the football.
1: No, I agree. That's why I'm saying I want Mitch to fail in training camp so that Foles can get the job because I think he'll do a better job in the next two years. And the defense doesn't have to squander, you know, the, the, maybe the last two years they have to be in that championship window. So he, I don't want the defense to suffer anymore with Trubisky. And it's not Trubisky's fault because he didn't ask for them to move up and put all this pressure on him to get number two. And pass up a potential all-time great and a and a Pro Bowler, possible Hall of Famer, and the other guy. So he didn't ask for it, but those were the cards you were dealt. And don't get me wrong, the guys made millions, so I'm not crying for him. But <laughs> just uh, let's try something else because we we've heard this song and dance from Mitch before, and I don't want to hear it again.
0: Mike, I'm glad you checked in. Appreciate your phone call. Now, Mike leaves line open three one two three three two is our phone number. Well, you know what? It, if it's a real competition. If it's a real competition, then yeah, I would like to see if what Foles can do against Trubisky, and again, a real competition. But I, I just kind of think that they're going to just give the nod to Trubisky because he's just been the starter. That That's what I believe. I would be I would be really surprised. That's shocked because anything can happen. But I'd be surprised no matter what happens, if both quarterbacks are healthy coming into this training camp, that Trubisky's not the starter. I think they just want, if the Bears will will put him in a position to succeed, and if he fails or if he underachieves, then there's a reason to bring Foles in. You know what I, you know, I'm wondering, and we're going to talk to Jeff Dickerson about this coming up at 8 o'clock. I need to know the hierarchy, whether or not Nagy has full autonomy to be able to pull the trigger, or is that a collaborative effort with Nagy and with um, – with uh, Ryan Pace, Ted Phillips. <laughs> I, I like to know like how that works. Can Nagy pull the trigger when he wants to, without having any flack from t- t- those that are around Nagy in the front office? I'm, I'm interested in that because, you know, if, if he's, if, if Trubisky is showing the same offensively, there's no reason for him to just keep going in the wrong direction. I, I, you just think about, I, I can't help, but to think about, um, Hicks and Eddie Goldman and Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith and Eddie Jackson, Kyle Fuller, and these difference making players that are on this roster on the defensive side. And then the offensive side like the one stud, one guy that you think can really make a difference on the offensive side is Alan Robinson, who is a terrific route runner. And we haven't even seen the best of him because of, well, because of 12, because of the quarterback of uh, 10, That's, that's the issue with Mitch Trubisky. So that's, that's the thing I'm concerned with. Three, one, two, three, three, two ESPN is our phone number. I think Alan Robinson having a good, good year. I just don't know who's going to be the quarterback. Will it be number nine, Nick Foles, number 10, Mitch Trubisky. All right, let's go back to the phone lines, North Riverside. Here's Marco on ESPN 1000. Hey, Mark. Hey,
3: what's going on, Jonathan? You know, I'd like to see Mitch Trubisky do well and succeed, but we're never going to get that opportunity because patience is gone in sports if you uh, – there's a, a, a photo going around uh, in uh, some of the uh, Facebook groups I'm uh, a part of talking about the Bears and comparing his numbers to uh, the starts of, like, Dan Marino and uh, Peyton Manning and, 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 and some of these Hall of Famers where their first three years were brutal. Mm-hmm. And they had the same QBR, the same, you know, relatively same uh, – maybe even Mitch has a better, uh, you know, touchdown or, or completion percentage. The win-loss record was the same. And it's like, we're going to, you know, we're going to avoid that fifth year. We're going to move on. He's going to get the same treatment that uh, he got when he got into the league uh, for Mike Glennon. When he thought, you know, Mike Glennon thought he was the quarterback. It was his season to prove himself. He had two or three terrible games, and he's out with uh, yesterday's garbage. That's exactly what's going to happen to Mitch. And, um, you know, he'll never be able to bounce back He'll never be able to be the, the quarterback that he would have been and didn't get the, you know, the
0: chance that they would have gave guys, you know, 15, 10, 15 years ago. Marco, how come you're not inviting me to those Facebook groups?
3: Uh,
0: I got you, bro. <laughs> you can leave, I don't know why you're leaving me out. Why can't I be? Can't, why can't I get in the mix?
3: Man, there's a, there's a, it's a it, those are dumpster fires of trash talking fandom. It's ridiculous, <laughs> but, uh, it was a good uh, comparison
0: to some of those statistics for for Mitch. Well, Marco, I'm glad you checked in. I appreciate your phone call. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it is a different era in which you don't have the time. You do not have time to wait for a quarterback to develop. It's, it's two things that are different from back in the day. One thing is that you like they have they gave a quarterback a lot of time to be able to develop. The other thing is is that they made a quarterback that was prolific in college and did things his way in college with that college system. they made that quarterback conform to an NFL system. Like that doesn't happen as much today, if at all as a matter of fact. If you threw 40 or 50 touchdowns in college, no matter how big or how small your college is, they will try to run the system that you flourished that you flourished in, right? It's like wh- why if you if you're a guy that was um, a run and gun type of offense where you know you had four wide receivers going and they, you didn't run the football a lot, but you had that quarterback that was fleet of foot that can get a roll out of the pocket and then run himself or be able to throw deep. Well, I mean that. That quarterback was, was gold, right, in college. But then they come to the NFL, like, oh, we don't do all that stuff here. you got to run the football, or you got to be able to do a the things that we want. And that really ruined, I think, a lot of uh, quarterbacks back in the day because they couldn't do what they did best in college. Now you're seeing much more of uh, a college atmosphere offensively in the NFL than ever before because these quarterbacks know what they want to run. Three one two three three two ESPN three three two three seven seven six. Our phone number. Be honest. Do you want Mitch to succeed or not? You know the story. We've laid it out. So how do you feel now? Uh, Roland is in Highland, Indiana, Chicago on ESPN one thousand. Hey, Ro. Hey guys, how you doing today? We're both fine, thanks.
2: Excellent. Um, absolutely. We as Bears fans, we should definitely want Mitch to you know succeed. Um, however, my my concern is more on Nick Foles' side is bearing a missed field goal that we are all too familiar with oh, yeah. um, and a trick play. Are we still hyping him as much as we should be, or is he definitely um, a serviceable backup? Um, so I'll, I'll listen to your uh, your comments, and go Mitch, go Bears.
0: All right, so he's on Mitch's side, and I would agree. That, that Mitch Trubisky, and I, I just had this feeling that Trubisky's going to be the guy, that he will be able to be the starter, and I want this offense to be able to work. I don't know, Eric, I just don't think that coming into the in camp that the Bears will say, okay, this is an open competition. I, d- I don't believe that. I believe that no matter how good or how mediocre Mitch is in training camp, that they're going to give him an opportunity to succeed or fail, Um, and then they'll pull the trigger at that point, but I don't expect Foles to start the season.
4: Right. I think that it's a better security blanket, pulling Mitch and bringing in Foles as it is to pull it, like not giving Mitch the starting job, hurting his confidence, which we're not sure how strong minded and how confident and how tough he can handle those things where we know Nick Foles is comfortable being the backup and coming in and playing. So when it comes to, The option on which would be better, I mean, Foles all season I think would be better, but I think that's the way the the Bears are going to lean is let's just have Foles as our backup plan.
0: Yeah, that's what I believe. And, boy, if if the Rams game can tell you anything, right, you remember Bears-Rams on Sunday night, right, and just how (laughs) Nagy, it almost was like pulling teeth because he pulled Trubisky in that game it, it almost hurt him to be able to do that. And, of course, the excuses are out there like, oh, Trubisky was hurt. He had to talk Trubisky out of leaving. Oh, the, they, they weren't moving the ball. But it hurt Nagy to have to pull Trubisky in that game. But he did. So I, I want to know if that's going to be the case this upcoming season. Will it hurt him to, to be able to have to pull Mitch? I mean, you, I think that when your job's on the line, I don't think it matters. right? I mean, if if, if you believe that Foles is going to be the savior to help this team, then you got to do it because I think a lot of jobs will be on the line if the Bears underachieve this season.
4: Right and this time around there won't be built-in excuses. Like they won't find a shoulder injury like they they'll it's just performance based at this point. And and it was clear in that Rams game why he was pulled to everyone else. And then they come out saying that it was an injury and stuff like that, but it's clear it was performance based. And then you notice he actually played better for like two games after. So maybe they lit a fire under his ass.
0: Maybe, maybe that's what, he, and that's why maybe Foles is here to be able to do that. When you have somebody that's in now a quality guy, not a veteran like Chase Daniel, who's closer to a podcaster and broadcaster than he is a uh, quarterback that will start in this league, um, he has someone now that can actually take his job. And and so, again, time will tell on all of it. We'll take more of your phone calls coming up, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Be honest. Do you want Mitch to succeed or not for the Bears? Uh, We'll get more of your thoughts in. And coming up, we will talk about The Last Dance as well, the documentary taking place last night. It just continues to be great. Um, It's funny. Michael Jordan's the GOAT, but that's still not good enough for some people. We'll discuss that coming... Jonathan Hood. Follow on Twitter at Hood. It's a Last Dance Monday sponsored by Coors Light right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. You know, every Sunday we are getting something special with these documentaries for the Last Dance reviewing the Chicago Bulls, and not just even the last year because it keeps going backwards and then moving forward. A good documentary just keeps you off balance and keeps you going. Uh, And this is what this documentary has done. Michael Jordan is what was to me the greatest champion in my lifetime in the NBA. Just a great player, but the greatest champion in my lifetime in the NBA. And can I tell you something? That's good enough for me as a sports fan he and the bulls in the mid eighties to his last basket. He scored for the Chicago bulls were some of the more memorable moments for me watching basketball because it's about the journey. It's about winning championships. It's about Michael being a global brand, but it's about the journey because seeing a special player is one thing, but to see that special player grow before your very eyes to be a champion where he's your guy, right? You go to Chicago Stadium, you go to the United Center to see your guy, and all of a sudden your guy becomes everybody's guy. It becomes not the United States guy, not just uh, the UK's guys. He's a global brand. He's everyone's guy. He was great at what he did playing basketball. His basketball was good enough to satiate me as a sports fan. But when you watch the documentary, you say, but wait, there's more because there are two things that stood out to me that I want to address with you in this documentary last night. And if you have not seen this, go to uh, ESPN plus is still running there. I'm sure it still is running on ESPN and ESPN two as well on reruns, but a couple of things stood out to me last night on the Jordan front, him personally, and that is Slim Boulder, Slim Buller is the the gambler that Jordan associated himself with and Michael Jordan, the activist. We'll talk about both of those things. Now, as I mentioned, for me, it was about him playing basketball and I was fine with that. But for some, the championships and the success that Jordan was able to attain is just not enough. So my grandfather and my cousins loved playing the lottery. They love being able to buy those dream books. You used to go to the uh, local grocery store or whatever and buy those dream books. And for whatever reason, in those books, they could tell you exactly what what you, what you can get for the pick three, what you should choose for the pick four. Dream books. You have a dream about something, there's a number attached to it. Just some gimmick, right, to be able to get more people to buy more lottery tickets. Going to the local Bubbles Liquor and Tap on Stony Island or going to the White Hen Um, to be able to just buy a big stack of tickets because that's what it was about. When I was growing up, I was watching them on a regular basis, try to find numbers for them to be able to win the lottery or going saying, I got to go to the boat this Saturday night, going to the boat, meant going to the horseshoe casino or going to one of the casinos in Indiana to be able to gamble. And they did this on a regular basis in my family. Grandfather wanted to go. Cousins wanted to go. They love gambling. To the point where I could say that they loved gambling so much that they were addicted to gambling because they loved it. They're, addic- they're addicted to competition, as Michael said, but also they were addicted to gambling because they enjoyed doing it. It was just kind of a hobby for them their My cousins at that time retired grandfather definitely retired. They were find- trying to find things to do. The difference between those in my family and Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan could afford to gamble because he's a billionaire. Uh, he can afford to gamble because this is what he wanted to do. And I will tell you that I don't think anything less of him because he decides that he wants to gamble. I've heard those stories before that documentary came out last night. I heard those stories for years during the Jordan years while he was playing that. Oh, you know, Mike, he puts a lot of money down the line when he has, you know, he's playing golf 18 holes. If he doesn't win, he'll go another 18, go another 18. He just loves to be able to compete because he loves competition. Michael Jordan loves competition so much that he will uh, bet his own security detail. They weren't pitching pennies against the wall. They're pitching quarters to try to be able to win. And we come to find out that one of those guys in the security detail actually beat Michael Jordan. He'll be the only one that actually beat Michael Jordan. in This documentary I'm sure. And he was featured prominently in the documentary last night. So to me, when I think of Jordan and his gambling exploits on the golf course or going to casinos, I've heard that, those stories for years. People tell me about Jordan gambling with, with Barkley, gambling with other NBA players, going into a private room uh, in a casino to be able to play cards, high stakes. You saw some of that on the bus on that documentary when he played some of his, his teammates yeah, you know John Paxton, Will Perdue, and those guys—they didn't fall for that because they didn't have the money. But in the back, you know, it'd be Ron Harper, it'd be Scotty Pippen, those that had the long cash. That yeah, they they go into it and they would do it a lot. Does Jordan have a problem with gambling? There's no question that he does, but that's his life and that's his money. I don't think any less of him, because what I wanted from him is to be entertained and to be able to see something I've never seen before. I mean, the attraction for sports is that you want to see something that you've never seen before. It could be some random game. You come in late at night, you just turn it on. You look to see the unexpected. You look to see a finish that you never thought you'd see before, an act, a feat, because it's part of entertainment. That's what sports is. It's entertainment. And so the entertainment was completely satiated by me by watching Michael Jordan on a regular basis, watching the Bulls in those championship years. That's one leg of what I saw last night. So we talk about the last dance brought to you by Core's Light on ESPN 1000. The other side of it is Michael Jordan the activist. You know, Republicans buy shoes too. I remember that quote from years ago and I was thinking at the time that Jordan clearly want to be right down the middle. He did not want to upset anyone on as far as Republicans, Democrats, black, white, Latino. He wanted to make sure that everybody was in on his brand. And so the way you do that is, is that when it comes to hot button issues, you don't get involved. You let others speak when it comes to those hot button issues. He never took a political stance. One thing Jordan always did is that when there was something as of late, for instance, with the police brutality that we're seeing on a daily basis. And by the way, just because the calendar is flipped doesn't mean that that has stopped. We saw something recently on Instagram, um from New York city, seeing it in Chicago, seeing it in a lot of different places, the police brutality or incidents with police and citizens. That has not stopped just because it's COVID-19. It just, it's something that because of the advent of the, um, camera on your phone, you could be able to pick up things that we had never seen before. And it makes it even more real outside of just hearing a news story. Nevertheless, when we think about those stories that we're seeing, Jordan did something about it, but he made sure that he was supplying the police with money. And also those that were involved in police brutality and having that conversation, he also gave to that particular fund as well. I don't know the name of it, but he was able to balance both sides of making sure that the police were taken care of and also those that are involved in, in incidents like this, they were taken care of financially as well. So he never wanted to take sides in any political debate, and it was talked about how there was an African American that was running against um, Senator Jesse Helms, who uh, said there was no joy in Mudville uh, after he defeated his um, his uh, Democratic African American counterpart. Um, the difference between what we see in 2020 and what we saw back then is really a stark difference. Let me d- explain. When we see Derrick Rose with an I Can't Breathe t-shirt, or when we see LeBron James speaking out on on social issues, or Draymond Green, or Steve Kerr, or Kevin Durant, when we see players just in the NBA in general, when we see these players speaking out, uh, they have secured the bag, meaning that they have a contract, they um, they have sponsorships. And in this era in which everyone speaks out, doesn't matter what side of the aisle that you're on, people are able to speak out more than ever because social media is a big part of that. Being able to have rallies, that's a big part of it as well. Uh, That's a, a difference than what Jordan went through in the 1990s and players went through and athletes in general went through in the 1990s. So I will cite the example of Craig Hodges, right? So Craig Hodges was one of the great three-point shooters for the Bulls, part of the championship years. Uh, Craig Hodges wore a dashiki to the White House, African garb, to represent uh, his blackness, his, the way he felt uh, as an individual. And somehow, some way, Craig Hodges just got removed from the NBA landscape. What happened to Craig Hodges? What team wouldn't want Craig Hodges to shoot the three-ball? See, during that time, you had specialists. John Paxson was a specialist at that. Craig Hodges was a specialist. There was a number of guys that were just great from the three-point stripe. Everybody couldn't shoot at 30% or more. But Craig was one of those guys. And all of a sudden, Craig just disappeared. Well, what happened? Because Craig Hodges was able to separate from the herd and want to just speak about uh, blackness and want to talk about what's going on in the streets. And all of a sudden, he was blackballed from the NBA. Another example is uh, Chris Jackson, who turned into Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, who played for the Denver Nuggets. So I remember reading this story in Sports Illustrated, not necessarily seeing the games during that time, but just remember reading the story of Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. First of all, him becoming a Muslim. That's one thing. And the other thing is the National Anthem debate of like Mahmoud either was in the locker room during the the, um, National Anthem or when he was... Out there with his team, he turned his back to the flag and people believed that that was disrespectful because of how he felt about America or how he felt about the flag. Then he turned around and he was facing his teammates and it was like I was praying into his hands so there was an issue there with many, like why is Mahmoud not with the team or why does he, he have his back to the flag? You, you thought the Kaepernick stuff was hot. You think about there in that time where it was tepid, but not necessarily like the hottest of hot button issues. Point is though, is that after that time, Mahmoud Abdul-Roof was just out of the league uh, because of his beliefs. He was just removed just out of the, out of the league. And so, I fast forward to what we saw last night in the piece, Michael Jordan, even though he had the world by the tail and had all these commercials and had these championships and was the number one star in sports. He felt still that if he took a stance, clearly, if you just read between the lines, he felt if he took a stand that he would lose everything like those, that, that Gatorade check was not coming in or the Nike check wasn't coming in. He thought he had something to lose. Now, On top of that, let me put another layer to it. Uh, This goes to the conversations that I've had over the years with you about how, as a parent, you don't allow athletes to parent your kids. You be the role model, not just someone that you can't really touch. You can see, but you can't really touch and talk to. That's why it was so controversial at the time for Charles Barkley to say that I'm not a role model. You know, I'm not a role model to your kids because... Don't do what I do. I throw patrons uh, through uh, glass windows at Chicago bars. You know, I, I will, I will cuss you out at a, a moment's notice. Charles was not the cuddly guy that you hear on Waddle and Sylvie these days. He was the guy there that was about basketball, making money and couldn't care less what you thought. He came up with an attitude, which was kind of byproduct of the nineties, that kind of attitude, you know, that chip on his shoulder because he had something to prove. And so When I think about Michael Jordan, he was not like Charles Barkley. Um, And when it comes to political issues, Tiger Woods, I think you you could say that he also is in that same uh, frame of mind. You would think that someone that's from the South, someone that um, that had to be able to scrape and claw and finally be able to get to the mountaintop because of his work would have something to say. But Jordan didn't have anything to say. Republicans wear shoes too. He wanted to make sure that everybody everybody was under the tent. And he did not want to be able to um, rock the boat in any way, shape, or form. And I know, and I see this on social media now, like why didn't Jordan utilize his platform to be able, you know, in 2020, 2020, Jordan, as a player, may be like LeBron James, may be like some of these other players. He may say something, but maybe not see, just because you make millions and millions of dollars and just because that you are at the top of your game doesn't mean that you have to be everything to everyone. See, that's the other thing, too. The idea that, well, because you're at a certain level, now you should be able to speak on things I want you to speak on. That's not for everybody. Jordan said he was focused on basketball and his and his brand. Fine. Fine. I find it also intriguing that No one has had asked Wayne Gretzky or Larry Bird or players that were not black to be able to speak on certain issues in our country. But when it comes to a Jordan, Jordan has to be able to do it right. What he didn't have to, that's his choice. That doesn't make him less black. It doesn't make him less of a person. It's just a person that was concerned with basketball and his brand and did not want to delve into those issues of Senator Helms at the time in that particular uh, in that particular race in North Carolina. But I just want to make sure I underscore the point that just because it's someone you root for or someone that you think should be able to speak on things doesn't necessarily mean that they want to or have to. They don't have to. But I find it also interesting that all that pressure usually is toward African-American athletes that are on a, at a high level. Well, LeBron, what do you think? Draymond Green, what do you think? Kevin, right. What do you think? But you're not asking others their opinion of those same things because why, 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 why not ask a counterpart? Why not ask a Latino? Why not ask an Asian American? Why ask everybody the same question? Those questions are usually re- reserved for those that have means that are African American. And I will just say that everybody's not built the same. It doesn't make Jordan anything less but here's the difference in the nineties where you saw pl- players being blackballed because they spoke up. Jordan didn't want to go through that. And many others didn't speak out, but in 2020, as they have money and they have the opportunity to be able to give back to communities like LeBron building a school in Akron and be able to take care of, of families across this country. That's a positive. That's something that didn't happen back in the day as we watch this documentary, but we're, it's happening now. And that. It's called progress speaking freely on no matter what side of the alley you're on. You're speaking freely on what you think is best. What's best for you. What's best for this country. What's best for your neighborhood. Couldn't do that back then. Cause he had so much to lose as I, I cited a couple of, um, uh, examples of that. Uh, so the gambling piece we'll hear from Michael Jordan with, uh, sunglasses on talking about, um, whether or not he has a gambling problem. That's next right here on UTH. This is Chicago's home for sports. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to Under the Hood on
1: ESPN
0: 1000. The gambling uh, section of the documentary last night was very interesting. I knew it was coming. Slim Bowler. his his name comes up. Anybody named Slim Buller? Do you trust him? Probably not. Um, So this is when you start getting into what social media would definitely be getting into if Jordan was around as a player during this time, right? And so Jordan, and one of the few times and probably the, only time that I can remember Jordan not speaking to the media for a long period of time because every question was about his gambling him going to Atlantic City and spending time with his dad away from the team and him and all of his golf exploits that was always um, a big issue now at that time Eric now there was a difference between just talking about the basketball how the Bulls can succeed and now we get into the salacious stuff of Jordan gambling so so there. <laughs> So there's Jordan, finally wanted to talk to Ahmad Rashad, his guy on NBC, right? And, and Jordan's wearing sunglasses, very odd, uh, but he was wearing sunglasses in his interview talking about gambling.
1: Michael Jordan has broken his two-week media silence about an hour and a half before the game began. He was willing to talk specifically to Ahmad Rashad. Before game one, and Mike goes, hey, man, can you go get a camera? I want to do this interview. They're going to talk about my gambling, man. I'm sick of all this stuff, man. Let's just get it done right now. I went, okay.
0: Do you have a gambling problem? No, I, I enjoy it. It's a hobby. If I had a problem, I'd be starving. I'd be hocking this watch. My championship rings. I would sell my house. I would do this. My wife would left me, or she'd be starving. My kids would be starving. I do not have a problem. I, I enjoy gambling.
1: Now, it didn't help that Michael had sunglasses on when he was doing the interview. <laughs> Let me take them sunglasses
0: off. The media has taken it far greater than what it is. Uh, Soon, whenever I walk away from this game, uh, I think that's the only thing that people are going to say was a bad thing about Michael Jordan. Could soon be after this year? Could be. (laughs) sunglasses Michael unbelievable alright in two minutes we'll hear from Jeff Dickerson we'll talk more about the Bears what can we expect this upcoming season as the Bears make some moves we talk about it right here on Under the Hood